dogs in the yard Might need a guard Every loss taken to heart Me first, that cannot be Must be these underdog episodes, see? Feeling much better, so suddenly Under the Monica, Monica G Crafted at night while all of them sleep I won't look a fool Taking this tool, defeating the opposition around me No, no, I'm not sorry Yes, I'm taking this knowledge and party Just barking, no harm, don't be startled Yes, I'm taking the title And it's so vital Thanks for the ride, I'll never be idle Turn up the dial, it's about to get wild And the points gon' pile up Down is the underdog bite Down, up at the day and the night Now, easy as flying a kite Now, come take a look at it right Now, down is the underdog bite Down, up at the day and the night Now, easy as flying a kite Now, come take a look at it right Now Everyone, welcome to episode 88 of Dynasty Underdog. I'm your host, Uriah Dawkins. Joining me tonight, Billy Beeman, Josh Goldberg. What's going on, man? What'd it do? Uh, not much. I've, uh, I had Easter this last Sunday, had my in-laws over, and my mother-in-law hasn't left since. So, you know, that's where I'm at. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> now, was that planned or did something uh, come up? Uh, yeah, they, they planned it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You had no idea. You were not in on these plans oh boy <laughs> that's tough uh, yeah i had a passover this week this past weekend too and it's like i think i did something every night with family so it's a lot a lot a lot of family a little stuff. draining like i don't know especially like i'm, I'm a man of routine so mm-hmm. when yes. i come home i like to do the exact same thing you know i like to you know and then so when i walk in and my you know mother-in-law's here she's like hey dinner's ready i'm like hey pff, i'm i haven't even stopped thinking about work yet let me <laughs> Get some clean clothes on. You're like, I'm doing a podcast tonight. Can you please yeah, get leave me alone? <laughs> Damn. I love uh, it. I love it. That's great. Yeah. Anyway, you know, and then, and then today kind of felt like I worked Monday through Thursday. Today felt like Thursday. So getting off work, knowing I have to go back to work again tomorrow is like, that's where I'm at right now. So That's brutal, but I don't feel bad for you at all because I have to work Thursday and Friday. So. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> God, Billy, how dare me? And you have regular work schedules. I'm telling you in 2022, like it's the new, new age, man. Like you either work from home or you have a four day work week. Like let's get get with the times, you know? Shit, I don't get either. Fuck this shit. <laughs> one day, one day. All right. So let's, let's hop into some news and nonsense. So this is one thing I, I, we've talked about it plenty, but I saw, you know, the, the Browns like Twitter account, like posting boom, QB one and had pictures of Watson and stuff. And, it's still eating at me. I don't know if you guys even want to talk about it, but I was like, man, it's like, I still just feel so bad for Baker in this whole situation. But, you know, they're, they're hyping him up. People seem to really love him. It seems like he's fitting in. And maybe in a year from now, we forgot about all this or don't care about all this. I just, I don't know. I had like a weird feel when I saw it. Did you guys see that at all? I mean, I saw it and you know my feeling. And I know Billy always tells me to block out ethics, but sometimes you can't do that. <laughs> a piggybacking what you're saying i do not think that we're going to be forgetting about this in a year i think if anything it'll be more in the forefront especially if he gets suspended this next year and i was just going to ask can we really call him a qb1 if we know he's going to be suspended for well we have an idea that he's going to be suspended for at least half if not the entire 2022 season in which case he wouldn't have played for two full years and i mean i know it's Deshaun watson but any player that doesn't play for two years, you kind of got to worry about a little bit of regression there. Not that I want to spend a lot of time on him, but. Yeah, I get it. I have no concerns about what his abilities on the field will be personally. I think he's going to be fine. 
Yeah, I I mean, I definitely feel for Baker in this whole thing. We've talked about it, and he, he kind of talked about how he feels disrespected this past week and how he doesn't really know where he's going to end up. You know, I think you see what he what he did when he was healthy with the Browns. I don't know. I'd be excited about wherever he ends up. I'm just kind of, you know, I am worried about the Browns not really letting him go. That's kind of what's worrying me. But it is a good time. If you need a quarterback, like a back-end quarterback, you can go get Baker for really cheap probably, which is, you know, one thing that you can you can test the waters on. It's just like it's really concerning because he could start this season without a job, and that would be insane. It really would be insane. I couldn't imagine it. I really do think he'll end up on the Seahawks or something. But, yeah. It's uh, it's your time right now to send like a, a third or something and go get Baker. It's funny. I mean, earlier this offseason, I did the Ryan Tannehill for Baker trade. And I still feel good about it. In the long run, moving forward, I still feel really good about that trade. Obviously, in the short term, there is some concern. But in the long run, hey, as long as he lands with the team that gives him an honest shot, he'll be good to go, in my opinion. I mean, Tanny's value ain't much better than his. And uh, he's got the age card to deal with, too, which Baker doesn't. Baker is actually on the really good side of that issue at 26 or 27 right now so yeah no real concerns there I think you your trade looks okay because in a year from now Ryan Tannehill's value may be next to none as far as dynasty superflex quarterbacks go but yeah I also I think I have Baker in dynasty underdog listener league two as my second quarterback and I you know don't really have a solution after that so it's definitely concerning but I'm you know I still think that he will at some point in the year start for another team or play for another team. I think so too. All right, this next one. This is kind of came out of nowhere to me, but Debo Samuel. First, I heard there's rumors that Debo wanted out. And then there's even more like a serious report that he told them straight up he wants out of San Francisco. Like I, to me, I don't, I don't get it. Because one, I really am not entirely sure Debo could be that dude in any other offense. Like... I think his worth is where he's at and the role that they're giving him. And I don't see him going anywhere else and having that kind of role. So if he's trying to get a payday or something, I think his best bet would just to be stay doing what he's doing there and improve, you know, every year and just look like that man and finish out your contract and hit free agency. But he once traded, I, I, I can't even think, I thought about this today. I asked my friend, it's like, where would even be a good spot for him to go? And I can't think of a single one. Is this wild to you guys? It's not wild, especially coming off the news that we heard the other day for some with some firsthand experience here. Not trying to throw this. That's interesting, actually. I didn't even think about that when I heard this news, but that is actually yeah. crazy. So yeah, Josh actually told us this a couple of days ago, but go for so it. So I'm going to leave out some details um, that are not extremely pertinent. Um, and if people do not believe me, I will post the screenshots with some information redacted, but um, <laughs> heard from some legit firsthand experience that Debo wants. This was Friday night. Debo wants That'll be on the Patreon. Screenshots are on the Patreon. No. <laughs> Patreon content exclusive right here. Uh, we heard Friday night around 9.30 p.m. that Debo wants a trade. He doesn't believe in Trey Lance at all. Trey doesn't take the game seriously, nor does real work in the offseason to get better. In Debo's opinion, Trey is not the long-term solution, Feels and Trey feels everything should be handed to him. Debo much rather be playing with Jimmy G, as surprising that might sound. The firsthand experience is very reliable, in my opinion, and all the news that came out over the last 48 hours is only backing up 
that news that we heard firsthand. Josh said he's got sauces, man. He's got sauces. I wish we recorded With earlier sauces. so that you could have gotten out there with it before because that would have been some great soundbite material. But no, it's it's still interesting information. Definitely both, I think both things back each other up now. So that's interesting. And one thing I just want to point out that all the articles I've been reading, um, and you too could feel free to tell me if you've seen anything different, has said that Debo refuses to cite the exact reason why he wants out. Which yep. means even though he doesn't believe in Trey and does not feel Trey's a long-term answer, he may not be trying to ruin his reputation or knock him down in this whole process. He just wants out of there. Yeah. It, it may not just be that either. It may also be that he's not, he's not really comfortable with the way he's being used because to Uriah's point for sure, no, no matter where else he went, he wouldn't be used the same way as he is in San Francisco because nobody else really schemes it that way. And I, I just don't think that he'd be used quite as much out of the backfield as a dual threat as your entire offense. And that said, the reason why he might not want to be able to do that is because injuries, right? Like he doesn't want to have to worry about being injured next year and then not getting paid. So right now he sees an opportunity where he's super highly valued to get paid. So I think that's some of his motivation doing what he's doing right now, whether, you know, you believe it's right or wrong. Uh, clearly, Based on that story, Trey Lance may part, be part of the problem as well. The fact that they don't have a QB or, or a guy who is putting himself before the team, maybe. But from a dynasty perspective, he, wherever he goes, he probably loses some value for sure. I think two places that make sense would be the Jets because they were after a wide receiver just recently with Tyreek Hill. So I think that'd be a place where he'd get a lot of play. But again, it wouldn't be used the same. So he'd lose some of that rushing value and then also kansas city right like kansas city could make a play for him they do have some some picks to work with and that'd be a great place for him and i think that he'd again probably lose some of the value that he has in san francisco but still be super productive yeah i don't know i i, I don't have any shares of debo I, I wish i had him from the start because he was very cheap compared to his price now coming out so i'm not into going and getting him or anything like that. I doubt that this really hurts his value or anything. I'm, I'm not sure, but we'll, we'll see. What, just uh, throwing this out there, what about the Falcons using him like they used Cordell Patterson last season? Dual threat out the back gives them Debo and Kyle Pitts to build the future around. Sure. Yeah, sure. That sounds, I mean, definitely a good spot. Does this make you at all interested in trying to get Ayuk? Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, I think Josh and I both made trades the past two weeks for Brandon Ayuk. So... I think we're in on Brandon Ayuk regardless, but this definitely would boost his value a bit, right? But if the stories about Trey Lance are true, maybe nothing will help. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, next one, Travis Landry visiting the Saints. Yeah, I, I thought this was interesting. I saw reports today and just interested how it kind of plays with Michael Thomas's value, if you think it matters at all, or if you'd be interested in Jarvis Landry over there. Because we talked about him a bit, I think, in the – you know, realm of Jamison Crowder type players that you can sure. go out and buy for really cheap, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering if you think that this is a guy that, you know, still you can get cheap and, and this would boost his value. I personally like the Saints for him. It's a homecoming for him. He went to LSU with OBJ. OBJ is still unsigned. That would be a pretty cool reunion if the Saints are able to grab OBJ also. Uh, I think it's a great move. You have Michael Thomas out, out on the corners and then you have Landry Manning slot. I personally think it's a great fit for him, especially with Jameis. Yeah, and, you know, I'm always, I've always been a big proponent of Jarvis Landry. I just, right or wrong, I always tend to, like, get those uh, high-volume, you know, uh, 
receivers like that. You know, the wide receiver threes that like end up giving like eight targets and 60 yards and a touchdown every four weeks. Like I, I'm a Travis Landry is who I am, right? And that's the kind of player I always like to have. So I have plenty of him and to see him go to the Saints, I think he still has a couple of years left in him. Like, I don't know why he can't do what Larry Fitzgerald did. But yeah, Saints would be a great spot for him. I just want to see him land on a team and I don't see there's any reason why he wouldn't. So, all right. So AJ Green back with the Cardinals. Is this, you know, news? What, what, what do you want to talk about with this? I want to talk about Rondell Moore. Oh, okay. Like, isn't that the story right here? Like, obviously nobody cares about AJ Green, but he's so damn old. He didn't really look good last season, and still they brought him back after Christian Kirk is gone. I get that. But, you you know, you, you'd think that they'd try to elevate the Rondell Moores and, and those kind of guys. I'm just wondering, in this offense, we're looking at DeAndre Hopkins, we're looking at Zach Ertz, we're looking at A.J. Green, who clearly they value at some level. Does, does this hurt Rondell Moore for you? Like, are you still going out and buying? Are you buying Rondell Moore? Like, what is his value? Because I think a lot of people would be looking for early second type value for Rondell Moore. And are, are you willing to spend that in this draft? I am willing to spend that on, in this draft for him. Um, but I think the bigger question mark is Kyler Murray. Okay. What's going on with him and his contract situation? If he does force a trade or sits out, they're going with who's their backup, Colt McCoy? Uh, yeah, I think it is actually. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, in my opinion, if until there's a little more clarity with the QB situation, even though everybody is assuming it'll get worked out at some point, that's a huge question mark for me with any of their weapons or receivers. Yeah, as far as, you know, Ronda Moore in the offense, I mean, the the three wide receivers you listed were all like, you know, 30. So, (laughs) (laughs) you know, A.J. Green doesn't scare me off of Ronda Moore. They play different roles. DeAndre Hopkins was there. Doesn't scare me. The fact that Christian Kirk's gone helps uh, i'm still in on Rundle more i have been from the beginning and yeah this doesn't scare me at all what josh mentioned about the quarterback situation that is a little scary but i do think it's gonna get worked out somehow or another they extend they extended clinsbury and he and murray are pretty much tied to the hip ever since they shipped josh Rosen off like i mean they, they kind of have to they're kind of like you know uh russell wilson and the old guy up there in seattle like they were tied together for you know years and years to go and i think the same thing will happen with kyler yeah they gave cliff kingsbury an extension to the end of time but yeah. uh but are would you trade the 112 for rondo Moore? i'm not i think you should would i would I have the balls to do it i don't know i like <laughs> yeah, it i got i got rookie <laughs> fever but the smart move is yes yes you should that's dangerous i like that i don't know if i would but i think you're i think you're probably right Okay, we can move on. Man, every episode, here we go. Dolphins, Dolphins, new <laughs> offense, very He's similar to Bama's. Gotta get his Bama's. dolphins off. Hey, I, Hold on. Look, uh, I, I missed. I, uh, look, I missed a year here. I gotta throw in as much dolphin shit as I can. Give us a rundown. Came out, came out, say, uh, Dolphins' new offense is very similar to Bama's offense. Two is feeling extremely comfortable in it. Um, and the goal after watching 150 hours of tape uh, between the new coach and Tua is yards after catch. You really want to emphasize on that really use Tyreek Hill to the best of his abilities. And uh, Chris Greer, the GMSA, said their plan for the first round is just to sit around and watch hours of Tyreek Hill highlights. Nice. Yeah, it's good news that Tua feels comfortable. I guess that's what we could take from it because we want to see him do well. But the Dolphins' offense being very similar to Bama's is a problem. It should be similar to another NFL offense, not a college offense. But, hey, whatever makes Tua feel comfortable, I guess, right? I mean, it's good news. 
it's it's hard to hop on, harp on any of the uh, Dolphins offseason moves so far. Like if I was a Dolphins fan, I would be pretty excited. Obviously, championships aren't won this time of year. They can be lost, but I mean, I'm just happy that you're happy. That's all. <laughs> Thank, hey, you. Like that. Thank you. Thank like you. <laughs> I mean, look, we're in a good position this year. It's the first time in a while that I've truly felt good about us. So obviously only the year will tell, but going into it, I have some hype. Finally, just want to talk about fan-controlled football and T.O. making his debut this past week. Caught a touchdown pass. Looked a little rusty out there, but for an almost 50-year-old uh, fifty year old wide receiver, that man can still play. So If you're at the end of your uh, your dynasty drafts, go ahead and select T.O. just in case. <laughs> <laughs> Did you watch that? Just the highlights. Just the highlights? All right, cool. Did you guys watch any uh, USFL? That's literally where I was going with it. Yes, I did. And it was actually good. It was entertaining. Like, it's obviously not up to par with the NFL, but people forget, like, nothing is going to be. Yeah. They can put out 500 leagues and it's never going to be the NFL, which is why the NFL is what it is, which is great. It's the offseason. So any football is great. And this was kind of like NFL football. It seemed, I mean, there was definitely, I think Jeff Fisher was coaching, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he was. A team out there. So yeah, I saw him on the side. So it's like, they, they, and there's other players you you recognize out there. So I think it could be kind of what the, whatever the other league that came out recently was trying XFL. to do. I, yeah, they, they, you know, I think that there can be partnerships had here. You know what I mean? And it's good. It's good for everybody. All right. So let's talk about a couple draft wish list uh, landing spots. There's just a, a couple that I was thinking about, but uh, yeah, thoughts on picket to the Lions. This is Josh's I heard they question. were I heard they were meeting with this is my question. I heard they were meeting with them or something like that, or that they might they you know they're looking at him or whatever. But I, I saw that they have the second pick overall, I think, which obviously you wouldn't take Pickett there, but then they have I think the 32nd pick in the draft as well, which makes a lot of sense for Pickett, I think, right? A guy who not really a first round talent, probably a little later, but that's not really a first round pick, you know what I mean? So I'd be interested. Like, I think that would be a really good landing spot for him because there's just so much youth there for him to build with. And I just think it it could be a good fit with what they want to do, you know, run the ball a lot, not really take a ton of chances downfield. I think that's kind of what they do. So compared to a place like Pittsburgh, where he's in the freezing cold all the time, I mean, obviously Detroit is like that too, but I think it's a little different atmosphere. So yeah, I just, I just kind of like that for him. So I think if he went there, it might boost his value a little bit seeing the lions kind of turning the lines around you know and it gives them a chance to sit a year no i i agree with you i think this would be one of those things where if if he went there then in our rookie drafts he's probably getting taken you know 105 106 unless he just goes to some other random team that's a little less quarterback needy where you might be picking him up at the end of the first or you know maybe early second so i wouldn't hate it i i do have like uh i don't know it's soft spot for Jared Goff for whatever reason. I probably shouldn't because that's gross, but I'm like, uh, give the guy another chance, you know? So, Oh, he's so bad. I, <laughs> I, um, I've been doing a couple of drafts. We were doing DFF drafts. We've been dropping the articles and Kenny Pickett, I think has fallen now. Like he was going a little bit earlier, but as the weeks have gone on, he's fallen towards 12 and towards 2.01 two area. So I think you're right. Like his value could get boosted heavily if he goes to the Lions and I don't know if, I mean, I, I don't, I don't dislike him that much. I don't care about the hand stuff. Like I know he, this quarterback class is not that great, but you know, I would like it there. And I think that if I could get him in like the late first round, like this is, again, it's not 
Justin Herbert, but it just feels kind of like it again, right? Like we're, we're discounting a guy and, and there, you know, there's no real reason to do it if the NFL is going to tell us not to. Like I said before, like if a quarterback gets selected in the NFL first round, he probably shouldn't leave the first round of your super flex drafts. Mm -hmm. He's going to get a shot and quarterbacks are expensive. It's a good rule. So uh, that's good rule. All right. Next one, Sky Moore, just a guy that we've talked about on here pretty early and pre-combine folks like we were high on sky more and one of the landing spots i was wanting for him was we did lose amari cooper i get to talk about the cowboys a little bit i really thought sky more would be a sweet target for dallas in the second round but according to grinding the mocks they went back 365 days and he was sitting at expected draft position of like 250 which is you know almost undrafted right and in the last year he's gone up to expected draft position of pick 25 Dallas picks it at 24. So if this is at all accurate, the guy that I was hoping Dallas might be able to get in the second round, they would actually have to get in the first round. Do I think Sky Moore goes in the first? I don't, I don't know, but I think he's going to be a little too rich for my team's blood at this point. Anyways, great ascension for the young man. Very happy for him. The fact that we get to see that he may get first round draft capital. I know for me and Billy, we talked about this. Hey, this is the guy we'd really like if we could get day two draft cap we're all wheels up on this guy. It looks like he might end up getting day one trap capital and that would just be bananas. Yeah. I mean, but old man Jones is saying he wants to tra trade up. So <laughs> he, he won't, he never does. Really quick. Is Sky Moore the biggest riser of the last year? I, I don't know that for sure, but it's gotta be really, really close. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, a guy going from, Maybe Basically Malik undrafted. Willis. Maybe Malik Willis. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. I I mean, I love Sky Moore. We talked about this plenty. I don't know if Dallas is my favorite spot for him, but I'm sure as a fan, if I was a fan of Dallas, I'd say the same thing. I, I think Patriots are a great land. Of course. <laughs> no, I honestly You can't I, have him. I don't care where he goes. I I'd like to see. I mean, he could go to Green Bay, he could go anywhere. Uh, you know, I, I think it would be a good fit if he went to KC, it'd be a good fit. So yeah, and anywhere for him because I think he's an all-around uh, an all-around wide receiver. So I like that a lot. Uh, before we move on to the next one, I just want to say on the wide receiver bit, I think Traylon Burks, Drake London goes to Green Bay or KC. Any of those, like it's, I mean, they may as well be the the first overall pick in the draft this year. You know what I mean? Like, and and obviously, if Brees Hall gets good draft capital, he'll be the first. But I'm just saying, it's going to be one and two, and then go ahead and get your favorite quarterback, I guess, after that. But yeah. I love those landing spots for those guys because I think you can't lose with that. Yeah, we, we talked about that way with, with Garbo's question. He was asking, you know, a couple of right. episodes ago, you know, what was what the landscape of our rookie drafts will look like when these wide receivers inevitably probably do get drafted by Green Bay Packers and Kansas City. And it's like, even if they're not who we feel is like the best wide receiver or second best wide receiver, just the fact that they ended up there, we're going to do what we always do and boost those two guys up to wide receiver one and wide receiver two, I think. Yep, Josh, what about you? I mean, I'm in the grants. So I think Green Bay and KC are the best landing spots for them. So oh no, I mean, like you got anybody that you landing spots? Oh yeah, Malik Willis. Gotta shout <laughs> out my boy. Oh, where do you like where do where do you like him going? I really like him right now going to either the Saints or the Seahawks. I think a lot of it has to do with if Baker gets traded before the draft or not. But I think either team would be a great fit for him. Um, the Saints allow him to sit for the year behind Jameis, learn their offense with the new coaching system and everything. The Panthers are a sneak play in there, as well as just um, the Steelers. But in my opinion, I think the Seahawks would probably be the best bet, as just as far as long-term solution goes and for him to be able to learn. You saw Robbie Anderson 
said no on Twitter when they were talking about trading Baker Mayfield over there in the in place of Sam Darnold. I just thought that was a little little funny and hella shade on Baker. I mean, honestly, maybe he's just thinking it's the same. It's like a it's a parallel or a sideways move over to <laughs> over from Sam to Baker. But man, oof. yeah. It, it, one stop throwing shade at my boy Baker. But yeah, for him just to come out and say it, it's like, damn, you know, because like how awkward would that be? Baker Mayfield walks in, he's like, hey, Robbie, how's it going? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know. I, you know, you would think that these players would stay off social media about those types of things. But hey, you know, at least he's making his opinion known. I really think Jimmy G's going to end up with the Panthers. In, oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's not many landing spots left. So I'll tell you what, I'll take any of them because I did, I didn't spend too much on them and I don't feel bad about it because I, 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 my quarterback situation kind of fixed itself, honestly, in some of my leagues, but I do hope Jimmy gets a, a spot because I have been talking about him a lot. And uh, if anybody took that advice, I do hope he gets a spot because I think he'd, he'd be a really good value this year. So we'll see what happens there. But I like those spots for Willis. I, I think that he needs to sit sometime. So yeah, or, or at least have some time to develop a little bit. So those would be two good spots that, uh, that are going to take some time. All right, cool. So let's hop into part two of Billy's notebook. He's emptying out his notebook on the prospects that we have not been able to do a full profile on. We'll run through him. He'll tell us what he sees on film. I got a special special tool, uh, courtesy of Zeno is my name dot Zeno is my dot name. Cool little website. You can go on there. You can put in your players, and they give you the regression lines. Those little charts that you see on on Twitter. This one is a free website. You can put in a dozen or so different metrics and you put in up to like six or seven players and they'll plot the lines for you. And it'll just tell you again, does this guy check a mark, uh, you know, based on historically what a top 24 finish for a certain position or top 12 finish per position. Does he hit the mark or does he fall short? What year did he hit that mark or did he fall short his entire career? Did he do it early, et cetera. So as Billy talks about these players, I'll throw out some stats real quick. Yeah, no, I, I like this. It's uh, it's essentially you can just input what you want to see as far as like the stats go, and it'll throw it on the graph for you. It's nice. It graphs it for you, yeah. Does the work for you? Yeah, it's literally just straight connect. Oh, it's data from Peter Howard visualized, but yeah, nice. He just did it through R. That's cool. I like that. Okay, cool. So yeah, let's dive into these guys. I'm I'm excited. Um, so we talked about Drake London, I think, or no, we talked about Traylon Burks. We did a profile on him. We just got more profile, obviously, like we talked about. I think we did Chris Olave recently. We talked a lot about Christian Watson. So there's a ton in this class. Uh, you wait, wait, no, we're doing. I'm talking about why, why didn't anybody stop? Yeah. Me? Uh, why that, didn't anybody <laughs> stop me? Because I just want to see how me. far you got. I literally was pulling up the chat, the text to make sure I didn't misread what, you, what we discussed. <laughs> just say something. We're literally on the call, dude. Oh, my oh, goodness. Okay. We're on Zoom. You fucking sad. Like, I I don't see you guys right now because I pulled, pulled up my other screen. But here, I will. Oh, okay, yeah. Running now backs. I can see. I would have had your faces just looking at me like, what the fuck is wrong with you, dude? Like, you idiot. <sighs> okay, so we're going to talk. We're empty. I'm, we're emptying the notebook on the running backs today. Okay. One thing I did miss, I can't believe I didn't. I, I really didn't review the film on Max Borgie, but I, I don't really have that many high hopes for him, but I will review it and see where, where he ends up. I'm sure he'll end up somewhere middling in this list because his film does look okay and he has a good skill set, but he's just very small and I'm not sure the NFL likes him. So I don't know why I started this with Max Borgie, but there, there we go. That's my boy. There we go. Yeah. All right. So alphabetical order. I mean, yeah, exactly. All right. So I'm going to start here. This is where I'm going to start. Uh, Kevin Harris, right? 
I don't think anybody talks about Kevin Harris a lot out of South Carolina. Everybody talks about Brees Hall, right? We probably talked about him a bunch. Isaiah Spiller, Kenneth Walker, you all know those names. Kyron Williams out of Notre Dame. He's a popular one. I'll get into the other guys. But Kevin Harris is a guy that really stood out to me. He graded right up there, even marks with Brees Hall, Isaiah Spiller for me uh, on, on film. I just thought he was kind of an all-around back, had incredible footwork, great receiving ability, contact balance, the whole nine. Wasn't the best blocker. If he was actually like a really good blocker, he, he'd be well above any, any of the other guys in this class. But really good burst, good vision, elusiveness, yeah, everything that you want out of a three-down back, this guy has it. The only issue was is he suffered a really nasty injury in college. Uh, so he had to deal with like some spinal injury. It was something really strange and it, and it held him out of his senior season for most of it. He only had, you know, a, a couple games of productivity. So that was a big part of it. Oh, sorry. I went to my tight end tab by accident. Oh, my I'm like, I'm looking at, looks like TJ Hawkinson. And I'm like, that's not Kevin Harris. Happy 420, <laughs> everybody. Happy 420. Yeah, yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Happy holidays. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I just, I liked everything about him. And the one thing that stood out over most of the class was his physicality, right? Like he was looking for contact the entire time. So I think this guy is somebody who in your drafts, unless he gets super high draft capital, which I'm not sure he will, but if he gets, you know, third round, fourth round draft capital, really third round is where I'll be happy with, but he could go a bit higher than that. Then, you know, I think that he's still going to go second, third round of the rookie drafts. And that's where I've been getting him in the mocks. And I love it there. I just think that this guy could be one of those that is picked a little bit later, but really rises up the boards when you see what he can do on the field. All right. So real quick, Kevin Harris, looking at his market share of rushing attempts and his freshman season, his age 18 season is well below the baseline regression. Mm -hmm. uh, his night, second year in college, age 19 hopped up well above the baseline regression, but then, so I don't really know if he was splitting time his last year, but he went back down below the baseline regression line. And that's the market set of rushing attempts. So I don't know if he's competing with somebody else. It was injuries. It was a it really was bad. Injuries. Yeah, it was a really bad injury, a really freak injury that just kept him out for a while because he needed surgery. And I think they actually put him back in earlier on before this season when he shouldn't have been playing. And then it kind of extended it. So it was a whole thing. So yeah, just quickly, knowing that really does help. But just looking at the plots here, it looks like he started off slow, but once he was able to get the workload he he excelled in pretty much every metric that matters in his second year in college before he got injured that's what we want to hear yeah i mean again on film like you can tell this guy is a football player so if he gets the opportunity anywhere like he's going to show out like i have no doubt about it he's just a good football player so I, i'm very interested to see where he where he ends up but i just think he's a guy who's literally getting no no play anywhere. And I just want to shout his name from the rooftops because he graded right up there with the top. And again, he might not be at the top in, in my rankings when I'm going to go to draft. I said that before when we went over the tight ends and QBs last week, but you know, I, I try to do this without any bias or just without the guy's name and just look at him as a player. And that's just where it ended up for me. So just one of those guys. Okay. I'm going to skip over some of the others. I want to talk a little bit about Damian Pierce out of Florida, right? This guy is low center of gravity, thick back, right? He does not go down easily. Noticeable burst through the hole. He has decent vision, quick feet, little stiff laterally. So you know you're getting that out of, out of some of these kind of low center of gravity, bigger types, but maybe that kind of improves in the NFL. I'm not sure. He doesn't really have the breakaway speed. 
not much raw speed in general to get around the edge. So there's, you, you wish there was a little bit more there, but he's a competent pass catcher. And at that size, I think he's going to, you know, be somebody the NFL is looking for. He's a really good, he's a really good pass blocker. So I just think this is one of those guys who in, in a class where everybody thinks has, you know, less talent. I think that he's going to kind of slip through the cracks a little bit again, a little bit like Kevin Harris go a little bit later and end up being a little bit more productive than you think. So he's just one of those guys. He was up there in the middle of the class, but he was kind of top of the middle of the class. I have him in my campus Canon league. And personally, I'm glad I grabbed him when I did last year. Yeah. It must feel nice to like play in those leagues and like be like super, super early on a guy. I, I still got to get in one of those. That's how it was with Malik Willis. I traded him for pretty much peanuts last year when nobody thought he was going to be big. And then he had a pretty good senior season. So or junior season, sorry. And now I'm glad I have him. Yeah. He, he, he scored a lot of touchdowns. I know that he did split time. So that obviously everybody's worried about that. And I, again, he's an average, he's average as far as like running back skills go his vision. And he doesn't really have elusiveness, but he is competent in those areas of his game and does possess other skills that, you know, you really want. So uh, I think he's one of the better ones, you know, as far as like the average guys go in this class. Just looking quickly at the regression lines, he looks like one of those types of running backs that unless I have a film guy that I really trust, like Billy, I, I would stay away from him as far as the analytics go. You know, rushing touchdowns, market share, just work in general is all been well below baseline for to, for, for running back to have. I have it set for two top 24 seasons and one top 12 season. What it does look like to me is that he has some pretty good receiving chops. Is that something that you saw on film too? Yeah, it, it is. He's not like a great route runner. He's not a guy who they're going to like, he, he's just a guy who can do it all and do it well enough, right? He's one of those guys. And, he, and he's somebody I like because he has, again, a low center of gravity. He's a little bit stockier. So he's somebody who can hold up a bit and, can build up to more of a every down role, even though he's probably not that guy. So I just think he has all of the skills, but he's more average in all of the skills. You know what I mean? <laughs> gotcha. One guy I really want to ask you about, and he's happens to be next on your list is James Cook, Dalvin Cook's younger brother. Yeah. Yeah. Are oh, they related? I did not yeah, know that. Really? Really? No, oh, I didn't man. know that. If, if the combine guys, I feel like we we're talking about that the whole time because they're like in the 40 yard dash, they put them up next to each other and, oh. and Dalvin was a little faster. I believe, uh, and, and a little bit heavier than, than his brother here, James Cook. But James Cook's really good. Like, he played at Georgia, a really good school, and he was pretty productive. Like, Uriah can tell us about the numbers real quick here, but he's a fluid runner, great hands, like, really competent route runner, dual threat back, doesn't exhibit great contact balance. He's a, Again, he's not like his brother. He's not really thick down in the legs, right? He's, he's a little bit more top-heavy, I'd say, but he's also just thinner overall and a little bit, I'd say shiftier. Uh, he, he, he reminds me of like, he plays a lot like Alvin Kamara, Jamal Charles, that kind of like body type style and traits, but he's not nearly as good. Uh, he, he, he lacks elusiveness at times. And, and that was noticeable in a game versus Clemson, right? Versus really good talent, but he does have an okay burst. He has all the, all the skills. I think he has okay vision, but he, he lacks the size, right? And a, a bit choppy, narrow runner. And that's something I, I look at and, and don't love. But again, I think that he's one of those guys who both by name, right? Because he's a brother of Cook is going to get drafted. And also just by his skill set is going to be used. I think he's going to be one of those guys you could throw in the flex eventually in his career. I love that what you're talking about is 
you know, receiving chops and stuff and uh, kind of whenever whatever you see on film kind of sticks out to me here on the sheets with the data is kind of sweet. It looks to me, not having watched a lick of this guy play any type of football, I'll be totally honest with you folks. I have not watched him play at all. I'm just looking at his statistical numbers. Data production. Thank you. <laughs> looking at his production. <laughs> Long day. Just looking at his production. Like, yeah, he doesn't seem to be a very effective runner, whether if that's just like scheme or whatnot, but it does look again, like the last guy you talked about with uh, Damian Pierce, it looks like he has really, really good receiving chops. And that could be just one of those things that we really, even like a Austin Eckler, you know, was one of those guys that I drafted later and we didn't really know he didn't have like the best, rushing ability in college and didn't get drafted for it but he was really good with his hands and turned in to be something and I, that's kind of what i i'm getting a feel for uh, james cook here no that and that's what matters yeah i i like that a lot i think that he's one of those guys who again like i'm i'm not sure why he's not getting a little bit more attention because just because of the name right because he's dalvin cook's brother and, and has that pedigree because he is of an extremely, extremely good athlete and bordering on elite, right? I mean, all of these guys are obviously incredible athletes, but I'm talking about as far as, you know, in their own pool goes. But but yeah, I, I just think that he's somebody who could be a lot more productive in the NFL and, and just like have a every week role at some point. You know what I mean? He's one of those players who can just build up to something more than you're looking at him coming out of college. Next one I want to talk about is Brian Robinson out of Alabama. Usually Alabama backs are at the top of the list here, right? But not this one, just because he played behind, I think, all of the other guys in the NFL, Josh Jacobs included. So yeah, Brian Robinson, though, I like him a lot. He reminds me of like a, a smaller Brandon Jacobs, you know, really, really big runner. He, I mean, he, he he's as big a runner as I've seen probably since Brandon Jacobs. But I looked it up. He's not nearly as big. Brandon Jacobs was like a literally a linebacker playing. I don't know if anybody remembers him at a, a, in New York uh, for the Giants, but he was like 6'4", 265. It was nice. like some, <laughs> something something out of like fairy tales, dude. It didn't make sense. But anyway, Brian Robinson's a really fluid runner. He's, runner. He's fairly nimble for his size, which really stuck out in the game against Florida. He has good burst for a big man, quick feet, good footwork. He, he does lack great vision, kind of just like he'll, he'll try to run through whatever's in front of him sometimes. But and, and he doesn't have escapability when in trouble, just kind of due to his size and lack of a lack of overall you know, shiftiness. But really aggressive. I like that out of a guy. I think the NFL does, too. Good in pass protection, but he is a fifth year senior. So he's like a man among boys. Right. Uh, I, I don't know if I saw much of him out of the passing game, but I do know that he he you know, he has fairly good hands. It's not like he can't do it. So I think this is another guy who just could end up having a role in the league because he's so damn sizable and just like a goal line back kind of guy. Yeah. It seems like, you know, cause he's playing for Alabama and it seems a lot of those guys just got to kind of wait and take their turn. And it seems like just looking at what he's done throughout his career, it looks like once he's actually given the opportunity to be the guy, he kind of, he's above the baseline regression in almost every metric for his final year. But again, it was his final year and he's a grown ass man still playing against kids. So right, right. with the grain of salt, but once he did have the opportunity, he did what he was supposed to do. Yeah. It's so weird that he's like, again, a guy who I, I understand kind of the reasons and you just laid them out why he's not really getting the attention. But again, I just think coming from where he came from Alabama, who, who produces good backs, I, it, it almost seems like one of those things we're just trying to do trying to go against the grain 
just to do it. You know what I mean? Like, I just think that he's a guy who I'm certainly willing to take, you know, middle of the second, end of the second, third round, whatever, like wherever I can kind of get him in that area. I think it's, it's a fine bet. Honestly, I don't think it's going to be bad and you're not going to have to spend it up there. You're really not. You're going to be able to spend whatever you want on him probably because unless he gets the draft capital, nobody's going to go after him like that. Okay. So the next, including Brian Robinson, I will say the next one, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys have essentially the same score. Some of them are like one point apart, but I'm just going to roll, roll the names off. I don't know if we're going to talk about all of them, but there's a couple in here. I think we definitely should talk about, but Ty Chandler, Zamir White, Tyler Batty, Tyler Algier. Rashad White, Kennedy Brooks, and Jerry on Ely. A lot of guys there. A lot of guys there. I think the most notable one, though, is probably Rashad White. This is a guy who I think a lot of people are willing to take in the first, second, first, early second round. I've seen it in I've seen it in the middle of the first for sure in some of the mocks I've been in, and that's with some DFF folks, and these are not stupid people. So, you know, my film score here is not saying anything about those people, but I, I I don't quite see it. Let me just put it that way. He has okay vision. He's a patient runner. He's a bit stiff and clunky as a route runner, even though he's a good pass catcher. Like he definitely is, is a good pass catcher. I think by production, if nothing else, it shows, I think he catches with his hands a lot, which is nice to see. So he, he definitely is skilled in that part of the game. He does lack burst to me. I think like he runs a little tall and allows defenders defenders to take him down. And I'm definitely not the first person to say that. I've actually heard others say that he has solid speed for his size, but not breakaway. He's not very nimble or agile, not really laterally quick, in my opinion. Mediocre contact balance at best. Like maybe I got the bad film, but I watch a lot. He reminds me of Shane Vereen. Like he reminds me of a guy who I like that. Who was who was okay in the NFL, right? Who who is productive, who you could play at times in fantasy, but he's not a guy who I would ever want to spend like a first or early second round pick on. I just don't see it there. But if the NFL gives him the draft capital and tells me different, okay. I do think that he seems to need to take like an extra step to change his direction or acceleration, which I don't know why in my notes I put is Antonio Gibson esque. So <laughs> that gives, some people which, might like that. Some people might like that, right? And and honestly, like you know, if he ends up being that, that's great for you guys. But uh, but I didn't see it. Does he show out on the in the numbers at all? He does uh, not as far as rushing production goes. Again, with the other previous guys that you mentioned, but as far as receiving, it's really really good. I can see why people would be high on it because here as a community, we understand that receptions are worth more than rushing yards. And this guy appears to, again, I've watched any of him, but he appears to catch the ball really damn well. And it does it well enough that they want to feed it to him often. So he must be pretty good when he does have the ball in his hand. Yeah. Is he, I think he's at Arizona state, right? Uh, Yeah. Arizona state. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe who is he playing against? You know, like that's yeah. also the other thing I think about, but whatever. I, you know, I, I do have to, you do have to think about that too, when you're grading anybody. Cause you're like, and I said that I, I also like make notes of like when they're playing against Clemson or they're playing against really good talent because it makes a difference to me. It makes it, I should make a difference, I think. But anyway, one guy I really wanted to talk about is Ty Chandler. He is a back out of North Carolina. This is a guy who is behind Javante Williams and, and uh, Michael Carter. I, I actually like him a lot. I think he does lack great vision. It's something that I don't think he has a ton of. You see some wasted steps when he's trying to get more yards. He seems to struggle getting outside the edge. He's much better between the tackles, which is interesting. And I think something that could play well for him, good hands, solid speed, but not a ton of bursts off the snap. 
I, I just, I think that he's fairly elusive and, and shows an ability to make defenders miss in tight spaces, show some pacing on, on runs when needed. Okay. Contact balance, but you know, he could get better. So I think he's and Oh, also he's a great pass protector. So this is, he's just a guy who I think is going to get on the field and get a chance to play and can run through tackle, run through the tackles. So it's, you know, not every team runs on the edge. So he's a guy who definitely can, can get in there with, uh, with the team. So I, I like Ty Chandler and I don't think he's going to get much attention. And he also showed out, I think really well at the combine. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't show up too well in the analytics. The one thing you got to think about is that when this dude is up for his second contract, he's going to be like 30. No, <laughs> is he old? No, is he, he really old? No, he's not old, and thirty's not that old. I'll be thirty-seven. So, no. But, uh, how old is he though? Is he he's like twenty-three 20? right now. Oh he's shit! In college. Yeah, see, that's that, and that's probably that's also maybe a reason why he was really good so, against against the you know younger defenders. You know, it does matter. You 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 like to say the thing is, is that he's really old compared to these other guys we've talked about, and his production is uh, far less than the other guys we talked about. This is a guy, Ty Chandler, I would be completely out on. I would, I personally would not draft him. I honestly, I love that because <clears throat> again, with these film grades, I try to block out every other factor other than the film, right? Like that's what yes. I'm trying to do. So it's nice when we're doing these to like uncover those facts, because obviously those are things that when I jump into the rankings, like I'm including all these different, like we're including not only the the grade out that we're, we're using with our formula that has a lot of the metrics we want to look at, but also age adjusted all the, all different kinds of things that we want to see, you know, that that's accounted for. So that's really interesting. Good to know. Um, another one here that I, that I'll touch on real quick is Amir white. I know he is a guy who got a lot of attention a couple of years ago, a lot of hype, but I think injuries really hurt him. He's, he's a bigger back. And I think, has a lot of the skill sets that you want just in general from a three down back. But again, I think injuries and, and lack of production. I mean, you can maybe touch on that. You're right. But I think that he definitely shows a lot. He showed out at the combine, I think in the, in the pass catching drills, he shows a lot of athleticism in general. He has clear burst. He's elusive. Uh, he definitely, um, uh, let's see. I did think there was a vision issue with him, like making too many moves and leading himself back into defenders and whatnot. So that may be part of it too. Not too many yards after contact. Okay. Pass protector. So he's average. And I think some of the finer details of being a running, running back, but he's really athletic for his size. And that's probably going to, going to kind of turn some heads at the, at the uh, NFL draft. Yeah. What I see from him is it looks like, I think he was a guy that people were talking about last year, you know, hey, I kind of like Samir White as a, a later pick if he comes out, but he didn't come out. He went back to school. I don't know if that's injury related or whatnot, but it does look like his best year was the year before last. Mm -hmm. And typically that's one of those things you just don't like to see. You don't, you, you really want to see a progression. You want to see a, any player at any position get better year after year. So getting bigger, faster, stronger, they should be better at what they're doing. And Samir White actually kind of fell flat this last year. So He's a guy I personally looking at, you know, market share of rush attempts, dominator, market share, receiving yards, all, all the things that kind of, kind of matter. He just kind of, uh, and instead of taking the next step, he, he, he fell flat this last year. And he's another guy that I'm just not very excited about. Awesome. 
Okay, that makes sense. All right, so there's some other guys on here for sure. There's like another 10 guys. I'm going to mention their names, but what I think we're going to do, which makes sense, is we'll probably just either talk about these guys on the Patreon or what's great is I'm, I have my film grades on there on the Patreon with the notes and everything. So if you want to see them, you can actually look at those there and on the Patreon if you want to become a Patreon. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But I do want to run through the names real quick because we are running out of time here. Tyler Algier is a guy who I think could be a riser. Kennedy Brooks, he was out of Oklahoma, I believe. And he's a guy who I think could be a riser as well. I know a lot of people talk about Jerry Ely. By the way, I did grade Max Borgie, so don't, <laughs> no, don't throw dirt on him. my name. He's right. He's number 17 right here. I'm looking at him. I guess it would be number like 16, but he's in there. He's definitely in there. Master Teague's a guy. Keontae Ingram. He's a, Keontae Ingram is definitely one because of his size and, and athleticism. He could rise up too, but a lot of finer details of his game were just not there in my opinion, uh, especially in the passing game. Uh, Ty- Tyrion Davis-Price, the guy out of LSU. He was okay, but all these guys are so below average now that I'm talking about Zonovan White, Tyler Goodson, Sincere McCormick, Pierre Strong. Like, And I know some of these guys, like people love Pierre Strong and Sincere McCormick, but again, I just, you know, this is how it came out. So if you guys want to see these, we'll, we'll have it on the Patreon. It's already there if you want to join. Patreon.com slash Dynasty Underdog. And then with that, wrap up, emptying the notebook on the wide receivers. We will talk about the running backs next week. Yeah. No, we, we just wrapped up the notebook on the running backs. Oh. We'll talk about the wide receivers <laughs> next week. <laughs> All righty then. Happy so 420. Happy, Happy 420. 420. <laughs> moving on to there. trades and non-trades. Trades and non-trades, uh, yes. I'm leaving that. That's great. I have one, and then I think Billy has the second one. I have the second one. Or Uriah has the second one? Okay. Um, so I traded two 2022 fifths for uh, Keelan Mond. Ah, sure. Why not? Kellen Mond. Come on, whatever. Are you worried about Kurt Cousins' situation, or you just didn't want to pick those picks? Because, like, I, you're you're in this league with me. I mean, I was trying to dump those picks, so I had a couple offers out just for the hell of it, and this one got accepted. I don't mind letting him sit and then seeing what happens if uh, Cousins get in gets injured or something. I just didn't want to make these picks, so I was like, "Fuck it, I might as well try to get a player for it that could potentially be something down the road." These are fifths. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, sure. He was the first. Wasn't he a first round pick, Ellen Mon? No, uh, but no, he was a second round pick. Something like that. Yeah, something like that. Well, I think it's still worth it. I don't know. It, it, anytime you get a quarterback for two fifths, why not? Yeah. Yeah, I don't care for Kellen Mon, but I still think it's like, yeah, yeah. I think what you said. Why the hell not? And what do you got, Uriah? Yeah, it's a slow week of trading for us, but uh, I got offered two twenty-two seconds for my twenty-three first. I declined it. It, oh yeah are you guys yeah i mean it's crazy person even if my 23 first is a 112 i'm not taking the 202 and the 203 this year for it i don't think no this is like i this is otherworldly just dumb like i i wouldn't <laughs> do it like yeah i just like it doesn't make any sense like 23 first are like coveted right now yeah in yeah. general like why would i take two later picks in a worse class like, no i'm good yeah. I'm good. I'm good. That's what. That's exactly what I said. Yeah. I do have to give a quick shout out to a listener who's going to go unnamed, but he heard me last week say that I wanted to trade down from the 1.02 and shot me an offer for 111, a second and a third rounder. And I'm like, I appreciate the listen and the offer, but that's a little lower than I wanted to go with that one. So. All right. Well, actually, I forgot you were trying to do that, do that. And I didn't send you an offer and I will send you an offer right after this. Or maybe we'll talk about it on the Patreon. We'll see what happens on the Patreon episode. Uh, yeah. With that, actually, I think 
I think we're good. Yeah. Let's head on over to the Patreon. Well, thank you everyone for giving this week's episode of Dynasty Underdog a listen. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Dynasty Underdog, at Just Your IFF, at Willie Beam and DFF, and at Joshua M. Goldberg. Make sure you sign up for our Patreon at patreon.com slash Dynasty Underdog. Mm-hmm.